Our scripture today is Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage. The kingdoms totter. He utters his voice. The earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. This is the word of the Lord. Uh, it's really good to, to be here. Uh, if you're new here or... Um, my name's Tim Kimberly. I get to serve as pastor here. I haven't been here for a month, uh, but before I mention that, I just I want to mention uh, Superintendent Snavely and Superintendent Grandin. Just really grateful for you, for you guys being here. And my heart as a church is uh, for us to come around your school districts too. Uh, I know that uh, you know, people use the phrase that it's lonely at the top. I've never been at the top, so I don't know, but uh, I hear it's lonely at the top, and you can have a lot of detractors or whatever, or just conflict, or just complicated situations, um, and man, I just love for us to be a church that's surrounding uh, Colonesco, Collins Maxwell, surrounding our leadership with just support, prayer, uh, if that's energy, if that's time, or whatever it may be. So as we kick off the school year, I'd love for the Lord to even show us what that looks like. I don't know what that looks like, but I would just love for us to be a church that really uh, surrounds our school with, with tons of support and, uh, and just want us to keep praying for you all, but also just grateful for the roles that you've stepped into for the good of our community. So I love to raise the standard that you've been pushing, and, and uh, I think that that is a really good thing for us to step into. So, um, But yeah, I'm grateful to be here today, and I just can't say thank you enough for the patience of this church. As uh, Patty and I, my wife, we've been in Fayetteville, Arkansas for the last four weeks. She basically, they're uncovering is she, her white blood cell count is super high. Uh, it seems that there's some underlying bacterial infections that have been doing things with her brain, then her neurological system basically is firing. They've been able to do these tests on her vagus nerve and other nerves, and like, it's basically like tells muscles to do things at the wrong time and the wrong place and doesn't tell her muscles to stop doing anything, which causes a lot of muscular pain. And so um, they are anticipating her to be there for 13 weeks. And so we just finished week four. Uh, but I would say that our family, we were all together on Friday, and the kids were like, mom is better. Like, she's not 100% better, but better, you know, and so uh, just thank you for your continued support and prayer and all that stuff, and being with that, there are about 25 other people getting treatment at the same time, and we're getting to know them and their stories and the people that are there supporting them. About 40% of the people there are from different, from Australia, Israel, um, Canada, just di different countries too, so it's been real eye-opening for Patty and I as well, but um, so just, just thank you, 
thank you for your patience. Thank you for your support in allowing us to go down this crazy journey that we've been on for the last year or so. But, but this morning, as, as Opal read into, we're in the book of Psalms. And for whatever reason in my mind, when I first gave my life to Jesus, I thought the Psalms were like the place that you go in the Bible when kind of like you've exhausted going everywhere else. And the Psalms were kind of where once you've lost your passion, once you've lost your zeal, like stumble into the Psalms. Yeah, Psalm 23 is good, but um, in my mind, I just thought like the Psalms, it's kind of like when you're done with your usefulness and you're getting ready to go out to pasture, like you live in the Psalms or whatever. Now, why did I think that way? I have no idea. Is there any reason why I should have thought that way? No. <laughs> the re- it was pure ignorance because I just hadn't been in the saw. I wasn't familiar with my Bible. I was just soaking up Paul's letters and stuff like that, soaking up the Gospels. And um, most books of the Bible, uh, a lot of the Bible is narrative. So it's telling a story that takes place in real time, in real place. You can check the facts uh, you know, things about David and all that stuff. So we learn about a lot like from God's workings in history. And there's a lot that guides, as we look back, it guides us to look forward. Uh, a lot of the books of the Bible are teaching. It's teaching our hands how to be, teaching our feet where to be, uh, teaching our minds what to think. It, it's, it's teaching and, and super useful for us to be able to think the way that God has designed us to think. The Psalms are like the balm for our soul. And they're songs, right? So like, I know a lot of people in here have gone to concerts at the Iowa State Fair or whatever it may be. Like you get the most accountant guy and you get him to the concert that he most resonates with that artist and it's like their soul is unleashed. You know, and it's like, oh my gosh, you're like, like you, the song, like songs are hitting you deeper then a lot of uh, then prose and, and a story of the past or whatever, a song m- moves us usually. And the Psalms are God's songs. Now we've lost a lot of the music that accompanies it, but we have all the lyrics of God's songs, 150 of them. Psalm 46 is one of these move us psalms. It's written by the sons of Korah. Uh, Moses wrote some, wrote poetry. David wrote a majority of the Psalms, but far from all of them. The sons of Korah wrote many of the Psalms. And the sons of Korah lived at one of the worst times in history to be born and to live. Uh, The threat of being overtaken by a stronger military force was just the sons of Korah's life. And it'd be, it'd be like growing up in the Ukraine right now. And you just are always living, and let's say this lasts for 30 years with Russia, you're living under this atmosphere of there are real people who are stronger than us, mightier than us, actively planning to ruin our lives. And that's like what they're doing full-time as a job. And for the sons of Korah, it was the Assyrians. The Assyrians were, for decades, seeking to ruin their life. And this is how the sons of Korah uh, are living. And their psalm, this is their psalm, 
Psalm 46. And what my prayer this week is that this would be our psalm. Uh, now, all the psalms would be our psalm, but that today we would really make this psalm our psalm this morning. And Holy Spirit, I just ask you to do that. I ask you to teach us this psalm as you co-authored it with the sons of Korah. Would you, would you write it on our hearts, our minds, our soul, and our strength this morning, we ask. Amen. So, verse 1 of Psalm 46 starts by saying this, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though the waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. And then, it might not say this on here, but on the side of your Bible, it'll say Selah. And that, that wasn't added by some guy later. Uh, that was written by the sons of Korah. They wrote Selah after that line. So God is a refuge and strength. It made me think, uh, I was thinking of refuge. And uh, this week I was just thinking about Iowa, right? And I was like, how hazardous would it be to live in Iowa without refuge? Like, imagine if you were forced for one year to live in your front yard. No tent, no sleeping bag, no pillow. You just had to lay down in your front yard, and that's where you, that, that's where you dwelt. <laughs> you were a dweller in your yard for a year. You might, you might be like, well, I could maybe make it in the summertime. Right? Like the storms and all that stuff, it would be hard, but I could maybe survive. But <laughs> it'd be totally impossible in the wintertime, right? It's just totally impossible to survive without refuge in Iowa for one year. Impossible. Having refuge is critical to our survival. And what God is saying here is if, if you have a personal relationship with me, now I know I just said a lot there, like, is that possible? Why would I need to go down? If you have a personal relationship with him, which I say you must, it is crucial, it is not the default, is not set to on, because we, that would make us robots. He wants us to willingly come to him. And hopefully we realize we need to, that our sin, that all of us commit, and we're going to start seeing this in the weeks to come. We're, we're heading to start preaching through the book of Genesis, which I think is going to be incredible. So we're going to kick that off really soon. We're going to learn so much about, like, is the sin thing real? Uh, is this just something we made up? To, did the Puritans make this up to guilt us into something? Or is it deeper than that? And I think we'll find it's way deeper than that. It it's runs through all of our veins. Resistance to God and resistance to His ways, resistance to Him. And instead of Him walking away, He moves towards us. And he says, if you say yes to a relationship with me, I am your refuge. I am your strength. A house is a good refuge. You know, we have guys like Bryce that that's what they do for a living is they help people have a safe 
refuge, not just in the summertime, but in the dead of winter, you're comfortable in your house. A house is a, is a good refuge, but it can't protect you from everything. It can't protect you from every danger. It is not built to last forever. God is and God can. So for God to say, I am your refuge, he's not just like, hey, I'm a better house than your home. He's saying, I am a refuge for you that anything that seeks to destroy, crumble, mess with you, if he doesn't want it to happen, it can't happen. He is our refuge. He is our strength. To what extent does his refuge go? How far could I expect him to be my refuge, even over my house, even if my house crumbled, he would still hold as our refuge and our strength. How, how, how far can I expect that to last? Look at verse 2. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way. Imagine a poet saying, how, how could I write this to communicate what is needed to be communicated. Though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea. So we're talking like bad day. Like this is breaking news on CNN or Fox News or whatever. Like, like the mountains are moving. They are being thrown into the sea. We'll go back to our regular scheduled broadcast, folks. You know, no, like this is all-consuming world turning upside down. And then look, it says, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Now, some of you have been to Colorado and places and have been climbing mountains and stuff this summer. If a mountain starts to panic, you know it's a pretty intense situation, right? If the mountains are trembling, if it's like, well, at least the mountains are, oh man, the mountains are afraid. I mean, this is, this is spoken, you know, this is poetry. If the mountains are trembling, so can you even imagine a mountain panicking because of how crazy life has become? If life became so crazy that the most stable, secure, not prone to panic thing, a mountain, is starting to panic, we need not fear. Those things are happening. We need not fear. Why? Because God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Then that little, little word, Selah. So what's that word, Selah? So it's widely believed that what the word Selah means is pause. It's like a speed bump. Now, some of you are like, hey, I'm pretty good going 50 miles an hour over a speed bump if I need to or whatever. This is the type of speed bump that says, stop here. And the psalmist wrote it. Stop right here. Don't move until this moves you, is what Selah is believed. And there's Selah three times in this, in this psalm, which is a short psalm. So here it says, stop don't move until this moves you. And the pause here, uh, this is our first kind of point here, is pause 
in the panic. What these, what these verses say is, pause in the panic. Because when we have a relationship with God, when we know that He's our refuge and strength, when it feels like the world is melting around us, if that's from getting fired from work, if that's from the loss of a loved one, if that's relational conflict, if that's dreams that are dashed, dreams that can't come true anymore. Whatever feels like the earth is melting, what Selah says is like, okay, in the middle, and maybe I would take matters into my own hands. I'd, I'd just lose it. I would do all these things typically because I'm trying to control a situation or whatever. But in the midst of that, Selah says, okay, stop. I know the mountains are panicking. And then the call is to look to him. Have our eyes on him. You know, it's like a team that is just like, Three seconds left at the end of the game. It's close. Uh, super unexpected, crazy things just happen. And the whole team has to look to the coach and be like, we have no idea what to do. We know you do. Our eyes are on you. And that is the power of this psalm right here is like, pause in the panic. He is our refuge. He is our strength. We can be calmer than the mountains are because of the one that we're looking to. the most extreme, hardest to get through times, in it he is present as refuge and strength. And I, I felt that. Many of you have felt that. And I need to keep feeling that. I need to not take my eyes off of him. Keep looking to him. Keep pausing in the panic. Being moved by him so we can go. Because it's not just we hide under him as, as our refuge. It's refuge and strength. We find our refuge in him and then find strength to go, to move, to not be paralyzed or crippled in moments like that. Then the sons of Korah take us after that Selah to a new way to feel as panic is unleashed on the earth. Look at verse 4. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress, Selah. So as it feels like the earth is melting, as it feels like mountains are being moved into the heart of the sea, and the sea is going crazy, and you might be like, I've never felt that before. Or like, I felt that five years ago. I'm not feeling that now. That's all good. And he's continually preparing us for what may be coming next or what we may be walking alongside somebody with. Here, though, in verse 4, from verse 3, mountains panicking, to verse 4, I think is one of the most extreme transitions inside a section of Scripture. There is a river that makes glad the city of God. So we, we, the last that we were focusing on was water just being torn up because of mountains falling into the ocean. And now we're seeing a peaceful stream. A transitioning from a place of total turmoil to total peace. The city of God. He's taking us to heaven. 
the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. Heaven is never melting. The city of God is the only place that can never be shaken. As the earth is given way, the city of God is not giving away. Where God is, peace is. And this is where the sons of Korah are. Remember, they're, the Assyrians are tormenting them. And they're like, you know what? There's this river and these streams and this city, and it's all real, and it's all peace. It's not absent of knowledge. You know, it's not like people think of heaven as being this mindless place where we just float around in the clouds. We don't remember anything. And we're just like, oh, this is nice. And people are like, that sounds boring. I don't know if I want to be there. Um, the reality, though, is like we are fully aware of our lives. We are, it's not this floating around thing. I think it's more of life. It's more like life here, just perfected the way it's supposed to be and with the visible presence of God that itself changes everything. And what we're being invited into here is this one who is ruling there is capable of producing peace with his presence. And he is with us. The Lord of hosts is with us. And see how it says the God of Jacob is our fortress? And uh, this isn't against anybody in here that's named Jacob or anything like that, but a part of Jacob in the Bible is that he's a deceiver. He deceives his brother Esau into getting a blessing. Like, Jacob does several shady things. And what I love is, like, God uses shady people. <laughs> God, if God was going to use perfect people to accomplish his purposes, he would have nobody to work with. So when we are told not that like the God of Joseph, which, which Joseph, there's no recorded sin of his in the Bible. Daniel, there's no recorded sin of his in the Bible. So it could be like, well, I'm no Daniel. It's like, well, do you, have you ever lied or cheated somebody out of something major? You know, have you ever had siblings that want to kill you? You know, have you ever had all these things? And it's like, that's Jacob, the God of Jacob, a God who works miracles in our imperfections. And he is our fortress around us as he calls us to follow us. And Jacob did many beautiful things and followed courageously, but was a flawed man, as all of us are flawed men and women. And that's why we're gathered. We're following the one that's not flawed. And the one that's not flawed has lived his life in our place so that we can follow him and have our life in him. God is fine using less than perfect people that's all he has to work with. And then we're told, Selah. So we were pausing in the panic in the first section. This section, I feel like we should pause in the peace. Just stop and take in this peace. Take in the city of God. Take in the king of heaven that brings peace to heaven, the city of God. The king does not stay, stay far away from us. He is actually with us. He's a fortress around us. Pause in the peace. The world doesn't have that. If we watch the news, all that stuff, it's not like, hey, here's all this peace that you can just soak in. Like, we need that, and we have it. 
Only God can give it. And that, that's even where, in the middle of panic, we should pause and look to him as our refuge and strength. But in the midst of peace, or even just a part of our lives, must be swimming in the peace of heaven. Letting heaven come down and fill us and change us, soothe our souls. He brings peace to heaven and he invites us into this peace. And that leads to this third section, starting in verse 8. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. Slow down. You don't have to be going 100 miles an hour all the time. Your soul can't keep up with that. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Says that again. Selah. Time and again, as is alluded to here, and remember the sons of Korah are writing this, reflecting that time and again, God has laid low world empires that people thought would last forever. He breaks the bow. He shatters the spear. Observe his works. Study them. Any enemy that can rise against us can't rise against him no matter if it's foreign or domestic. No enemy that rises against us can't rise against him. Study his works. Study them in the context of history. This leads us to the place of being still and knowing that he is God. We had, this is a super intense situation that happened to Patty and I last week, um, but we ha- I've been hesitant to share it with kids and stuff, but I'll just share it as well as I can, as appropriate as I can, but um, the, our treatments down there, it, we spend hours with people where it's just like three of us in a room together with like a therapist, or sometimes the therapist starts something and then leaves the room, and then it's just like Patty and I and this other person. So a guy that we've gotten to know really well, and I asked him if I could share this with our church and asked them to pray for him, and he was like, oh, yes, yes. Um, but there's a guy, Le- uh, Leon, who's from Malaysia, who started at the same time that we started. So we just finished week four. Um, he just finished week four. And he, forced, like, straight up is a rocket scientist for NASA. You know, he has one of those jobs where you're like, okay. Uh, then he, he was doing that. Uh, then he moved to Seattle and works for Boeing and does stuff with, with their planes and all that stuff. But he was getting ready to climb Mount Everest. And someone told him, hey, if you get this, like, epidural-type shot in your spine, it will, like, make you this, like, able to climb Mount Everest more strongly. And he didn't do very much research into it and stuff. I was like, okay, fine. I trust you. You're a doctor friend of mine. And so two years ago, they gave him the, the thing, and something went horribly wrong. And he's just been in, like, as much pain as he ever could imagine being in nonstop for two years. And so he's, it's 
interesting talking to him because it's super hard for him to hold a conversation, all that stuff. But, um, and you'll, he'll say stuff, and then later he'll be like, hey, can you repeat that? I wasn't tracking with what you were saying because he's just in so much pain. But really nice guy. He's got some adult-aged kids. He's married. And we were in the room with him this week, and he was like, hey, I'm, I, my wife and I booked tickets to Switzerland. And we're like, oh, okay, wow, that's uh, interesting. Are you planning on leaving here? And so he like booked t- tickets to Switzerland. Well, so it took a, a little while, but we figured out that he had scheduled to fly there to have a physician-assisted suicide. Um, super intense, got super real in the room, and, um, and he, he was de- describing how it would happen in detail, and Patty and I were just like, you're planning, he's like, yeah, I told my wife I'd give it five weeks at Sparrow, and if I'm not better in five weeks, I already have the ticket spot, and just was talking really matter-of-factly about it, and Patty and I look at each other like, this is real, like right now, and we're going to be in this room, just the three of us, for an hour, and we, after that, we were in the, that was Wednesday, we were Wednesday and Thursday in the room with him, my mom was in the room with him Thursday as well, Um, and we did, Patty, he listens to Patty more than me, because oh yeah, you're the pastor guy, you know, but like, she's in pain like I'm in pain, I want to listen to her, you know, and Patty was pleading with her, like, God is real. He grew up in a Buddhist home, and and just like, he's like, I only believe in science. And we were like, God made science, so we're talking to you about the author of science, and you're saying, you know, you only believe in science, but like, he designed all of those scientific things that do their science thing that you know more than we do. And, uh, and then we were like, please don't give up. Please don't give up. Because he was like, I got the ticket spot, you know, like, and we, for, an, for two hours now, we've been pleading with him as we were with him, like, like, Leon, would you see this through? Would you, would you give your life to God? Would you give your life to Jesus? Because if you don't, I've, I'm just shooting as straight as I can with you. I'm trying to not sugarcoat anything. If you resist him, this life that you've come to live is the closest to heaven you're ever going to get. And that is disappointing because of how you, after all your PhD accomplishments, where life has you, I was like, this is the closest to heaven you will ever get. And if you resist him and you go to Switzerland, like, God is not mean. He is nice that he has shared this with all of us. Uh, That is his love. If you come to Jesus and give your life to him, this is closest to hell you will ever feel. This is the closest to hell you will ever experience. And you've experienced great things, which which are wonderful. But the bad things you're experiencing, this is the worst you'll ever experience. And in the praise of heaven, which I think the Selah is the pause and the praise, is asking Leon, can you, would you listen to the praise? Would you listen to how, how God is in the midst of her, how we can be still, even in our pain, and know he is God, and what that means for our life? And, and he, he said, right before we left to drive up here, he told Patty, I'm praying for you, Patty, you know, 
And which was interesting because I was like, you know, that he was praying. And we said, well, we are, we are praying for you too. Please, we want to see you next week. Would you? And Patty was like, please, let's go the 13 weeks together and see what happens and see what God does. And he let us pray for him multiple times and stuff. And I asked you to pray for him too. That's super serious. And it's, it's, it's real for all of us, right? We, none of us want to just play with God. None of us want to play at church. We want to truly, in our panic, see Him, feel Him, have Him be our refuge and strength. In thinking and meditating on the peace that He brings to the city of God, we want that peace to overflow onto us and to, to, to affect us. Uh, then hear how it says, I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. He's the only one that truly deserves to be worshipped, deserves to be praised, and we're the people alive to do it right now. We're the people alive in our generation to be the people who exalt him, who worship him, and he is worthy of that. And man, as we wrap it up this morning, what, what I would my prayer is that would we be a people who pause and move towards him? Times when we just take matters into our own hands, take it out on our kids, take it out on a hobby, take it out on food, whatever it may be. Like, would we be a people that, like, take it out on him? Let him be our refuge and strength. How great would that be for you, personally, as we had in the fall. How great would that be for me, personally, to pause and look to him in that way, that he has given us this roadmap of the psalm to live in him, no matter uh, all of the greats and all the not-so-greats. Like, how wonderful for us, how wonderful for our families to be a people where it's like, hey, I'm, I'm learning to look to him. I'm learning to find my strength in him, my refuge in him, my peace in him. I'm growing in being a worshiper of him because I've got the breath in my lungs that I'm not always going to have. And man, Patty and I were like, Leon, even in your pain, the Lord can get you to where you worship him and find joy in worshiping him. And we want to walk with you through that. Would you, would you not give up? Please don't give up. And for all of us, like, please, let's not give up for the sake of our community for the sake of our families, um, to be a light to our community. So, Lord, I just pray that we would come and behold the works of the Lord. And maybe even this morning, it would be a work that we open ourselves up to you doing right now. Maybe some people have been here and have, have yet to give their life to you, Jesus, have yet to come home running all in saying, forgive me for my sin, forgive me for trying to clean myself up. I want all that you have for me. I give my life to you, Jesus. Save me. Lord, if there's anybody that you are saying, yes, do that now, Lord, would you just make it clear to them? For any of us that have given our lives to you, Lord, and you're wanting us to just pause, Selah, stop, and let you move us in just something that has come up this morning, Lord, would you do that right now? We say yes and amen to that, Lord. We want that. Maybe even if we don't want that, would you move in our hearts so we do?
Show us an area, Lord, where this psalm needs to just do surgery to our soul. Lord, you are worthy of worship. Would we be a church that is a lighthouse for worship? That we, we will dance and sing even if people are watching because we want them to see you and what you're doing to make us new, to change us to be the people that you design us to be, to look like you, look like your son. Lord, we give all of this to you. For your glory we pray. Amen. Amen. A beautiful way that we can respond to him, and man, I would encourage you if there's things that have come up, if there's unusual panicky type things or, or whatever it may be, please don't leave here without... Uh, without just mentioning it to somebody or mentioning somebody over lunch or whatever it may be, I find a lot of times if God moves in me and I don't get it out of my mouth, it feels like it fades sometimes. I was like, oh, what was that about? I don't remember. But if I can talk to somebody about it, it can keep it in the light and keep the Lord working on it. Um, for all of us, a, a beautiful way for us to respond is communion. This is Jesus' design for his church to commune with him. If you've just given your life to Jesus, come to the table. If you have yet to give your life to Jesus, don't come to the table. Come to Jesus instead. By giving your life to him, I'd love to talk to you about that or if someone that you're around or with. Appropriate response is for us to say la, for us to pause, look to the Lord, let him do whatever he needs to do in this moment. Maybe it's with a spouse, maybe praying for something that's heavy on both of your hearts, um, but then to boldly come to the table. And we'll have a couple... I think, who do we have serving today? Is that Silas and Silas? Okay, come on up, guys. Um, Reed and Silas will be serving you. So they'll have the plastic gloves on, and they will give you the bread. This is my body given for you. Take wine or juice. Obey your conscience. Um, but the way that we'll do this is let's say law, and then let's come boldly to the table and keep the elements. Remain standing at your seat, and then we'll take it together as family. So let's respond to him.